Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, it's our second edition tonight of What If, where we take a look at one of the most significant moments in footy history and ask the question, what if it turned out differently? So as we delve into another edition of What If, we've laid out the story, and the story is, I reckon, one of the most significant player recruitments of all time, given that the player in question is arguably in the top five greatest players of all time, and we can debate that all we'd like, but as we ask the question, what if, tonight we ask, what if Sydney had never sold the rights to Wayne Carey and John Longmire to North Melbourne. No better person to speak to than the man who orchestrated the deal. He is one of the most respected uh, administrators in the world of football and starting out uh, with South Melbourne as a recruiter and working his way up to be the boss of North Melbourne, Richmond. Uh, This is a a man who knows every aspect of what it takes to run a football club and has and lays claim to maybe the greatest piece of recruitment that the game has ever seen. Greg Miller's been good enough to join us. Hello, mate. That's a great introduction, Sam. Thank you for that. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm way past those days, but yeah, thank you. Well, Greg, this is a fascinating story and, 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 and a perfect story for this segment, What If?, because the what if on this is absolutely massive. What if Sydney never sold the rights to Wayne Carey and John Longmire? Before we get to that, let's go back to, and I want to find out from you, when was the first time you laid eyes on these two young men? Wayne Carey born in Wagga Wagga, John Longmire in Corowa in New South Wales. When did you first lay eyes on both these two? Well, I started with the Swans in, in after playing there. I started as recruiting in '79. I and there wasn't there wasn't many recruiting officers around in those days. Shane O'Sullivan and I were probably it and old Jokins. But I got on a plane and I went everywhere and I drove to Riverina all the time. And by um, absolute luck, I got involved a little bit with the New South Wales primary side, um, playing up in Darwin. And John Longmire and Wayne Carey played in the same side together as 11, 12 year olds. So that's where I first saw them. I can't say that I saw them as AFL greats in those days, but you start that sort of tracking of players uh, way back at primary level. So how long from that moment were, were you tracking them uh, in your role 
with the Swans? Did you earmark them then, or did it take a little bit longer for you to be convinced that, okay, I need to get these two? Well, John and I have been played in a lot of underage uh, regional sides, and um, I was involved with those sides as a Swans recruiter. Um, and by the stage, you know, moving up to New South Wales, I, I got involved in everything Riverina. So I started to see John in, in different rep sides and um, uh, in New South Wales schoolboy sides. So the John Lumire side definitely attracted him all, all the time. Got to know his family, got to know him as a young, as a young boy. Wayne, Wayne went off my radar completely. Um, and it really wasn't until I saw Wayne play again in Adelaide in an um, inter-school game that I then checked up on a few records, rang the school, found out where he was from, and double-checked and realised it was the same Wayne Carey that played in the New South Wales primary side. So there was a five-year gap, I'd say, before, with Wayne, whereas John Longmire was a constant uh, relationship. So, Greg, this is what I love about What If, is because within the What If, there's so many other little What Ifs. What if you hadn't have been in Adelaide that day? Because from what I understand, you weren't there to see Wayne Carey. You were there to see another player. Well, what happens every year in, in those days was that South Australia had a, a combined private schools team play against a combined high schools team. Middle of the week, only Oval, which is the third ground, on a Wednesday. And I just got on the plane and went over and watched it. And... Um, Watched the game and uh, this guy sent our back, got a few kicks, started to do a few things, and it was just how he went about it that I liked. And then I was disappointed at the end of the game where we got announced as the best player on the ground. I was hoping you'd be incognito and I was, because once you get best on the ground, people start talking about you. But I, um, I rang the school straight away. It was in the little program they had, it had what school he went to. So I rang the school straight away and got onto the sports master and said, Oh, this is Wayne Carey. I was watching, you know, what's his background? The, the guy who happened to be the Norwood under 19 team manager and told me to bugger off, you're a Victorian. <laughs> but I persevered and um, he told me he's from Wagga. And I thought, aha, that's started putting two and two together, tracked down uh, his brother, tracked him down, and yeah, went from there. So at this stage, were you still with Sydney or were you with North Melbourne? Oh, no, no, I was still with the. With the, uh, the um, I was still with. No, 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 you're right. Sorry, I, I moved on to North. Yeah, I'm losing time here. I moved on to uh, North. It, what, what basically happened, if you don't mind me giving you a little bit of background here, Please. Sam, is that the, um, at the end of 84, um, the very crew that had taken South Melbourne to Sydney, you know, I talk of great people, uh, Dean Moore, Ricky Quaid, Tony Franklin, they'd all, you know, Barry Lyons, they'd all busted a gut and worked under very hard conditions to get the Swans off the ground in Sydney. Um, the AFL weren't happy with a few little things and decided they could do it better. They appointed Alan Swab to go up there and fix it. Um, Alan uh, really dismissed all of us um, and wanted to start again with his own crew. So at that time, I, Ron Joseph got hold of me and said, you know, we want you. And, and I, was, I was wrapped in the opportunity to go to North. But, but um, yeah, it was pretty uh, disappointing as a player and a, an administrator who had taken the club up to Sydney and done the hard yards that the AFL thought they could do it better. But with that came a whole lot of passionate people that saw what was happening and were upset about it and... Um, you know, Dean Moore went on to be one of the great administrators of the AFL, let alone going back to the Swans. Um, Francis Jackson was about to be appointed administrator, and he wouldn't work under the new group. He's become the greatest recruiting officer of Richmond. Like he's, he built those premierships. So there's a lot of great people got lost. And as well as that, there was a few great players. What the new AFL regime didn't understand is that we'd worked hard behind the scene. And we had, the, we had Peter Motley, uh, Greg Anderson, um, 
who was a champion McGarry medalist over there. Peter Motley was the best player in South Australia. Uh, we had Gavin Kosiska from Queensland. We had Sean Smith from um, Canberra, all ready to play for the Swans. And then when we all left as a group and the whole camaraderie left, they didn't want to play with a new group. They wanted, they, they, they'd developed relationships with us. So none of them went to the Sydney. And as well as that, during that era, they lost uh, Rhys Jones and Bernie Evans. So Rhys Jones particularly was part of that whole move up there and part of that relationship that we had to help each other achieve what we did in Sydney. So there was a whole... They started again, and not only did they lose administrators, but they lost a, a new, uh, some good players. Then they lost a great bunch of young kids that were about to start with the club. So another what-if within the what-if. What <laughs> if you hadn't been um, forced out of Sydney, those players that you mentioned, and then if you were still doing the job that you were doing at Sydney rather than North Melbourne, then there's no way that these two slip through the cracks. There's no, no way this deal gets done. So that's another little story within the story. It's just going beautifully, Greg. So let's let's That's fast true. forward again now to yeah. you've seen Wayne Carey again. You get in touch with, with the family. This was really when for all intents and purposes that the that the that the strong relationship started. Talk us through what happened from that point on. Yeah, he was playing under seventeens with North Adelaide, um and he his brother he, he'd moved out of Wagga to live with his brother and there were some family issues and mm. Families had pretty split up, um, but I recognise he was he was in a position where he there was nothing stable in his life, and he wanted it to be stable. And his mother couldn't get back to Wagga, so the plan I quickly developed was to move the mother to Melbourne, and then Wayne would come with her, so he'd have a stable environment. And um, he got a couple of games in the seconds that year at North Adelaide near the end of the year, um, but I could see this kid had um, something pretty special, and um, we brought him over. And uh, set him up with a mum and a, and a few you know, other recruits and in a house. Mum, mum looked after all the boys. She was just fabulous to have her there. And he joined. He joined um, the play in the under nineteen. You know, look, he was. Um, but there was a reason, wasn't there, that you had to move him away from Adelaide because well, yeah. at that time there was the draft was in the early days. It had been about I think five or six years into the draft, but zoning was still the predominant ruler of the roost. Yeah. Now, as a Wagga boy. You you zone you zone to whoever whoever has that zone for three years. He'd been out of um, Wagga for twelve months. Once he comes to Victoria for another twelve months and another twelve months, he Swans lose him. Now, so I just add here that the John Longmore story was very similar. He played for Cora Rutherglen in what was called the Corrine League, which mm. was a junior league which belonged to the Swans. But he moved as a young sixteen or fifteen year old into the senior team, which was in the Ovens and Murray which was in North Melbourne zone. So oh. all of a sudden, the pressure was on the Swans. Um, Kerry, uh, one and a half years in, because I was shifting him straight away to Melbourne. John Longmire, one and a half years in, going towards two years. In another 12 or 18 months, they would have got nothing from him. So you start to hold the upper hand in those days if you can relocate them into your zone or you can, you can start putting the pressure when they're out of their zone long enough. So that's basically what happened with both guys. We, we, you know, when you... Possession in those days you, you, is, is pretty pretty good. And um, so we, uh, I, the, the, the Wayne Carey, we shifted him. With John Longmire, it was a little bit harder because there was a few other clubs that started to get hold of um, how well he was going. In the, he actually made the interleague side and played for the Evans of Murray. I think it was in Mildura. Might have kicked five goals at 16-year-old. So um, uh, the Evans of Murray versus the Sun Ratio. So 
there was a couple of other clubs, and particularly Ian Collins from Carlton. So I knew we had to move pretty quickly with John Longmire. We already had his heart because we developed him, we'd worked with him, we'd got to know the family. You know, I was lucky enough to coach him at different little games and things. So that was. So, <laughs> so how were you able to do that, Greg? Just if I can jump in there, how were you able to convince? both of these young men from an early age, that they would have known full well that their zone was to Sydney. How did yep. you convince them, as New South Wales boys, how did you convince yep. them that that wasn't the path and that they should come with you to North? Well, it's, it's, it's love and care and interest. It's moving Wayne Carey and his mother and getting the family together, yep. showing some, you know, some compassion and understanding of the family environment. Um, that, you know, Wayne was very, very grateful for that. And um, he came into an environment where... Um, we had a great, so many young kids. He, he was the start of that era. It was, he was a young kid amongst uh, a, a multitude of young, good, up and coming players that uh, had been developed uh, morally um, and culturally by John Kennedy and Wayne Schimmelbush. Mm. Now, you got to see the sense of what the club was like under their tutelage. Um, and then with, with John Longmire, it was a bit different. He hadn't had that after I'd left. The association with the juniors had really waned because they went down the, um, you know, the Healy, uh, Bolton, Tui. Remember they went after all the high-priced recruits? Yeah, yep. Which, which, which served them well. They had a good era under that under that style. But in that style, you miss the you miss the kids. So, um, yep. so John Limey was certainly more loved by us. I think he, I reckon he was, if I remember rightly, he was a North Melbourne supporter anyway because the Ovens and Murray was a strong North Melbourne area. And... Uh, you know, we spent a bit of time with the family, and the, and the actual day that we signed him, um, I'll tell you that story quickly. Uh, Ron Joseph and I, Ron was the CEO, and I was the footy guy. We went up, picked them up from their um, farm, and we drove them to the Coral um, uh, Golf Club, a couple of k's out of town. Had dinner with them, put a contract in front of them, and said, "You move to Melbourne. This is what we have. We're going to look after you. Uh, don't worry about getting a deal done. We'll get a deal done with Sydney because." They're going to lose you in another 12 months anyway, or 18 months anyway. Um, you know, do you trust us? Will you come with us? And they said, yes, we want to. We walked outside, said goodbye, and then standing there, and they said, hey, we're going to get home. And we threw them a bunch of keys, and one of my mates had driven a brand new car up and parked it uh, in the car park. So I just threw him the keys, and he had a brand new car sitting out the front. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the old-fashioned recruiting stories, they, they used to work in those days. And, and, um, and of course, I, 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 he, he's next... Ten years at uh, well, he, he couldn't drive then. He was too young, so he just driving up and down the driveway. His dad said he, he nearly wore it out driving up and down the driveway at the farm. But of course, um, Wayne Carey didn't do any of that sort of stuff, and uh, Wayne often was, would hang hanging on John Longmire for getting the car and getting you know getting all the money uh, where he didn't. So uh, <laughs> everyone knew at the club that uh, John Longmire got a car. So you that so you've t- explained to us how he convinced Wayne and and John. To, to yep. turn their back on the Swans and come with you to North Melbourne. So that's all yep. well and good. But now you've got to convince Sydney, Greg Miller. You've Now you've got yep. to go to Sydney. Um, their footy boss at the time, um, Ron Thomas, you've got to go to, to Ron and yep. ex- and convince him to sell these the rights yeah. to these two players. How on earth did you do that? Well, look, as I said, first of all, you're in a commanding position when you're living, basically living with you, assigned with you, want to play with you. You're in a, in a, in a commanding position. As I said to you also, um, I think Sydney had a different direction at the time. They're looking for ready-made players. So it wasn't as important on their radar. 
And then it was just a bit of luck from the time. It was I happened to be I was in um, the old AFL house in Brighton Avenue. Got in a lift. Ronnie happened to be in the lift. We did the deal in the lift, um, and uh, yeah, that was it. So I, I, I do I do recall though we had um, old Jimmy Hannon who was our treasurer, a great old fella. And I got out of the lift. I rang Jimmy and said, Jimmy, whatever you do, Jimmy would have been eighty at those days, but just a great stalwart of the club. I said, Jimmy. I need you to get me a check for sixty grand and bring it into AFL house. Like North didn't have sixty grand, so just bring it in here. I don't care whether you get a helicopter or just get here and don't, don't just please. And of course, you would have had to go through Ron. But by this stage, Ron was in love with Johnny Longmire, so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> so that was done so quickly because I, what, what you learn in recruiting is you can't leave it till next day because things can change overnight. So you have to get the the signature, the deal, everything done virtually on the spot. And that's pretty much what happened. We got we got the, 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 the 60 grand. Uh, and what was the split, moment. Greg? What was the split? No, it was, that was 60 long months and then 10 for carry. Up was, <laughs> oh, jeez. So, um, so wow. it was, um, but it was that money we didn't have, North didn't have. And and, and Ron Joseph um, trusted me here. If I just take it back a step, when I was at Sydney, I had to sell some players because they wouldn't move to Sydney. And I sold Ian Fairley to Ron Joseph. And Ron trusted me. Um, he trusted my eye in footballers, and I said that Ian Fairley would, as he did, play in the Premiership. And he paid me. He wrote me out a check one day for Ian Fairley when Essendon was stuffing around and could have had him. But Ron was that sort of man. He 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 made a decision and he just went with it. And he went with that one for the sixty grand. And of course, the ten grand was um, pretty irrelevant, really, comparatively. But that, that's what happened here. Yeah. I loved, and that's another what if moment in this. If 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 Ron doesn't have the faith in you then you can't do that deal in an elevator. You've got to go back and explain and do all this stuff. But because he had put faith in you to do deals, even spend money that, as you say, the club didn't have, you're able to get this deal done based on that very fact alone. Whereas today, it just wouldn't happen like that. How high were you prepared to go? What, so it was 60 oh. and 10. What would you have gone to? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember, but I knew that, by the time I got out of the lips, I was I was I was in a panic. I had to get this done because I, I knew the price was cheap. So I had to, I was like, you know, to ring Jimmy and and try and put pressure on a on a on a, on a guy who was still using journals. Um, <laughs> and it was sort of like, uh, but again, as, as you said, uh, the what if, but Ronnie Ronnie did, and Ronnie made those decisions. And um, yeah, it, it, it was um, very fortuitous that they quickly did that. And, and yeah, that's what happened. That's, that's, I, I don't know if there was a figure, but it was certainly higher than what, what we finished up paying, definitely. Speaking of Greg Miller, uh, another edition of What If on the Sporting Capital. What if the Sydney didn't sell the rights to Wayne Carey and John Longmire? So were you surprised? And obviously you said that Sydney were going in a different direction. They they were going for established players. But did it surprise you that they, they just weren't maybe aware of how good these guys were, especially John at the time, because as you said, everybody knew. Wayne had sort of slipped through the cracks, and, right. and from what I understand, not many were aware of him because he'd moved from, from place yeah, to place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But were you surprised yeah. that it was essentially that easy? In the space of a lift ride, you were able to uh, get him to part company with the rights of these two players? Did they no, just not I know? Think, yeah, no, I think that, as you said, different direction and, and structures at clubs were different. The recruiting structures... That we that we see now that just you can't compare them, you know. It was just um, you know, as I said when I started, it was Shane O'Sullivan and Noel Jokins. That, that would have been about it. There was only you know, Noel was at Richmond, Shane was at Carlton, and I started at the Swans. We had no competition. We were able to ship players around, um, 
and claim them after a year or two because clubs didn't have structures to mm. find out what you're doing. <laughs> so, so I would say that's pretty much what Sydney was up to at the time. Um, and as I said, look, they, the city like that, they had to go down the direction they went. I actually think they probably went the right direction with you know, Jared Healy and all those guys because yep, put Barry them on the Mitchell, map. Yep. Barry Mitchell. Oh, so, no, 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 Barry was a um, Swans boy. He, he um, Oh, he was too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was always destined. Oh, yeah. So, you know, he came up, he came up with this. Yeah. So, Greg, here's the crux of it. So let's get into the whole uh, pontification and hypothesis of this. Now that we know how the deal came about and how it was done, what if Ron had said no? <laughs> I wouldn't have let him. I, I would have, uh, a couple of times he did that to me just to see how I'd react. Yep. And I was, I was a hook and I'd, I'd start bloody yelling at him and then he'd burst out laughing at me. It just wouldn't have happened because he, the, fir- the first time going back to John Longmore, I said, look, I've got this kid. I want to, I want to make, going to have to do a deal. He's going to be other clubs. You know, I need your help here. He's, and he said to me, I'll give you a couple of grand. I said, oh, look at him. I said, slammed the door and I'd yelled at him or something. I don't know what it was. I was just, you know, I had the shits. And then I said, and I thought about this. How am I going to change his mind? I sent him up there to watch him. I got him, he got in the car and drove up and watched him. And he came back and he, and he, he, he wanted to give him two cars. Like it was just that was wrong. He, he, he probably not, but but when I sent him over to watch Wayne Carey, he came back talking about some other player. So uh, he was uh, look. He wouldn't have, you know. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have said no because he built he built North Melbourne in the seventies yeah. on those decisions, and and you know him and I and, and my my recruit team and and then of course the great coaching built North Melbourne in the nineties. So, so it was. Combination. So, Greg, what if Ron Thomas from Sydney had said no? Uh, we would have waited and we would have, he would have said yes because time then starts to put pressure on you because you get nothing. It, it, look, we did it. We did it a little bit later with Wayne Twoss and uh, <laughs> it was a lot more what ifs with, with other players that you, you, you call their nerve, basically. Yeah. That, well, he's not so, going to play with you, so you might as well get something. So, that's what pretty if. That's how it operated in those days. So what if we had got to a stage, though, if we can allow our minds to go the, as far as we can? What if yep. Wayne Carey and John Longmire actually had played for Sydney? What would it have meant for Sydney, and what would it have meant for North Melbourne, now that we look back? <laughs> well, yeah, look, the, um, what, they, what Wayne, Wayne and John gave North Melbourne is just immeasurable because look, Wayne was a great, a great player, um, you know, you say top five, I say top one. <laughs> yeah. But um, he was a great leader in many other ways too that is not known mm. to unless you're around. And John Longmire was an absolute, you know, sensational person around our footy club. Uh, again, another leader of men. So it's that culture you're developing amongst a whole group of players. And, you know, we had Glenn Archer, we had Anthony Jimmy, we had others. But you take a couple away, you don't get that, that depth of that culture. Now, in Sydney's case, if they had gone to Sydney, um, they may not have gone down the locket route or they may not have gone down a different route. So I'm glad you, know. you brought that up because these two teams meet in a grand final in 1996 yeah. and Glenn Archer yeah. has to stand in a hole yeah, no, with no, Tony no. Lockett bearing down. That could very well have been Wayne Carey bearing down that he had to stand <laughs> in a hole in front of. Um, yeah. Look, they may not have made the grand final, but we're just thinking about what if. I mean, that could have—that's as, as significant as it can be, can't it? But the, the fact that North Melbourne wouldn't have had their greatest ever player, 
and Tony Lockett would never have got to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Look, AFL sides in those days before the drafting and the, you know, you, to be what I see, the, you're going to go down later that may say, well, if I taking him at three, I should have taken him at four because at three he became this star. But but in those days it was more about um, as, you, as we've talked about, you know, um, it was what clubs had the armory or had the staff to manipulate the opportunities that were there, mm. and possibly I was lucky. I was a player. I did my knee and. I, Ian Stewart got me in administration and I started as a real young administrator. Therefore, I learnt, you know, pretty quickly. And and then, the, and so I was sort of ahead of the game in certain ways or because other clubs didn't have um, the same style of people that I, I was at the time. They weren't going out and doing the yards. That was just it. So would Wayne, do you think, have been Wayne without, because you, you, t- you spoke about, John Kennedy, Wayne Schimmelbush, and Dennis Pagan. Yep. So I often look at, and you can do this with a lot of players and coaches, but I do often look at um, Carey and Pagan, a little bit like Brady and Belichick. I know two premierships compared to six Super Bowls is a stretch, but would Wayne have been Wayne to the extent that he was as a player without Dennis and vice versa? Yeah, Dennis, let's just go back. John Kennedy first, then Wayne Schimmelbush, um, because they... they Pulled his head in a little bit with morality, a bit of a bit of a sure. bit on the ground, but then John Kennedy then developed this. Uh, John Kennedy, so then Dennis Pagan, yes, absolutely. Their relationship, um, the game plan, um, the things that were built around Wayne, and, and the relationship and, and the ability to get Wayne to be at his best, you know, all the time was um, was uh, you know catalyst to the premierships, as you know. But there was um, there was a lot of different ingredients to go into the, the into that pot, but that 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 little ingredient's the pretty the main one. Well, and then, and then when you look at John Longmire as well, would he be the Sydney coach now if he had have played there? I mean, would he have had the career that he had at North Melbourne, at Sydney, which is, which is an incredible thing to pontificate on as well. The last one I'll throw at you, Greg. If you didn't get Wayne, do you think you might have been more of a chance? And this is a long bow. This is what we do here. And this is probably we could do a whole episode on on this particular player I'm going to mention. But if you didn't get Wayne. Do you reckon you would have got Nathan Buckley? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> no, jeez. That's another old bloody story, that one. That's, that'll take another hour, that one. But, hey, we'll do it again. Um, we'll, we'll do it at one stage. Uh, yeah, look, um, no, I don't think it made any difference. I think um, Nathan was a young a young man, a young kid, mm. and um, he went from a seconds player, I watched him, to a McGarry medalist in one year. Yep. Um, and in that time, others got... You know, I mean, it, it, the Kerry situation, if I had left it a year, like I had to do with Buckley, the Buckley situation was he belonged to Brisbane. Mm, yep. So I, I did the deal with Brisbane um, because he come from Northern Territory and they're in that, that zone. Um, and I did the deal, but he became so good, the AFL then jumped in and says, you can't do that money deal. I'm going to change the forms and I'm going to do this and we're going to find you and we're going to get you because you've predated everything. Um, but, yeah, that's... Um, I don't think the we'll, Gary situation. No, fair uh, enough. We'll, we'll save that for another yeah. time. Let me, the last question. In your mind, and it's it, we'd all like to write our own reviews, but I think you've earned the right to do this, Greg Miller. In your mind, if you were looking at it from the outside in, is this the single greatest piece of recruiting that the game has ever seen? From you, oh, for, well, at, at, look, you can be, and you're a humble guy, I know, but... Look at his standing in the game. Look at what he went into seeing him the first time. 
the fate of finding him the second time, and then the development of him and the relationship to to get him to North Melbourne, and then what came from that, and what North Melbourne is, uh, he is as significant a part of their history as any figure at the club, and then by so, and and you are too. So, is it the greatest piece of recruiting that the game's ever seen? Well, uh, you are embarrassing <laughs> me, and I'd rather you say it than me. But um, I'll say yes. But but look, oh, I'm so proud of my whole time at North. I, I, I learned a lot from Ron Joseph and the Ron Casey's and the Bob Ansett. I learned a lot about life and about how to run a footy club, how to have a, have a footy club that develops a culture that, that ultimately gains gain success. So I'm forever indebted to the club. So I don't talk. And I'm, and I'm proud of Glenn Archer. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, um, you know, there's a million guys, Dennis Carroll. I'm proud of all of them, how well they've done in life and everything else. And I'm very proud in Wayne, in, in, in the different uh, period he went through near the end of his career um, and the resurrection of Wayne as a person. I'm very proud of that as well because, mm. and I um, had a bit to do with the, with the, with the author of getting his book done. And I hope people who read it have a greater understanding of him as the champion and what he went through in life and what he achieved in life. So, yeah, very proud of that. Greg Miller, thank you so much for being a part of uh, What If on the Sporting Capital. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.